welcome to The Executive Appeal, a show that convenes the world's most powerful and successful leaders to share mentoring and career advancement advice to help you successfully transition into senior level executive positions. I'm your host, Alex Trimble, award-winning speaker, author, and leadership expert with over a decade of experience coaching and advising some of our nation's most senior level government leaders. So if you're ready to reach your goals, let's get started. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trimble from The Executive Appeal. And <laughs> today, today is a good day. See, today I have with me a really good friend, someone that, that you're going to just fall in love with. I promise you, I promise you. Miss, Miss, Miss Sue Lamb, also known as um, Leader of the Universe. So we'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, she is currently the VP of People Analytics Strategy and Culture at The coca-cola company but but you know she didn't start there you know started from the bottom and now she's at the top um she started <laughs> before that she was a global head of organizational behavior and talent assessment at the shell yes the shell like um like not not, not like the shell the gas you know i have the shell on the, on, the, on the floor um i am so interested in talking to sue because i i, I met her last year at a conference and as she spoke she she got me so engaged so motivated, so inspired to do good for the company and as well as how we can do better for ourselves. Look, there, there is no other need for me to keep talking. So how are you doing today, madam? Hey, Alex. Thanks for having me. I am doing fantastic. The sun is shining. I'm indoors, so it's not humid. So everything is awesome. <laughs> thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, thanks for thanks for uh, thanks for coming. I want to clarify for everyone. We did say you're a VP at Coca Cola. Does VP stand for very passionate? Or <laughs> I, I know you are. Uh, yes, it definitely stands for very passionate. Um, and so <laughs> I'm super grateful to be at the Coca Cola Company because I get to refresh the world and make a difference, which is which is our purpose. And so this is what I'm here to do. Well, look, you talked about purpose. Let's just use that as the jumping off point. Yeah. Purpose. As a leader, I think it is our our job to communicate purpose. Um, what is what is your internal purpose? Why do you do what you do? That's a really great question. Why do I do what I do? What's my internal purpose? This is going to sound extremely cheesy, um, but I really do believe that I was put on this earth to help other people to make their lives better in any shape, way or form. And so my whole career has been based around that. And so I, I definitely think that is my purpose. I know it sounds cliche, but I swear <laughs> that this is the case. Well... We're going to go down that that cliche route just a bit then. Um, go for it. There are a lot of people who I know who are very passionate about helping other people, yet they have not made it to super senior level of positions and or executive positions. And it almost seems like they're they, they are helping others and focused on others to a fault. So wh where is that balance on? being able to serve and support others around you and, and not giving so much of yourself that you have nothing left? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a great question. I think for a lot of folks who are public servants or who are in roles where they are really giving a lot to other folks, you know, 
uh, therapists, social workers, uh, volunteers. I mean, people who, you know, police officers, firefighters, et cetera. There's a lot of professions where you're giving a lot to other people so that you can help them. And so I think one of the things that has helped me through my career is one, I never, I wasn't chasing a title or anything like that. I was always putting one foot in front of the other and trying something different. And then once I got to each you know, position, I thought, what is it about this position that I enjoy that is actually helping other people? And what is it that I'm not enjoying? And I, I need to pivot from that. And so I started off, um, I volunteered a lot when I was young. Um, I continued to do that in college. I worked for universities and NGOs. And then I started going into the corporate sphere after that. And I must say, Alex, in the beginning, I felt so bad. I thought that I I sold out. I said, oh, my gosh, I totally mm-hmm. sold out. I'm making yeah. money here. <laughs> yeah. um, I always felt like the struggle or the the feeling of pain was like part of the, you know, the noble fight. But mm-hmm. actually, I can do a lot of good in other places and not be starving and not being able to pay my student loans. Um, at the same time. And so I, I think it's I think it's a journey for more folk, most folks. I have a friend who I'm mentoring and she is applying for a job and she has been working in nonprofits her entire life. And so she's really concerned. She's questioning herself and uh, she's wondering, you know, should I take this corporate job if they offer it to me? And I said, you know, maybe just have that existential crisis later <laughs> focus on getting the job first and then we'll 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 weigh the pros and cons afterwards but it's it's not easy and everyone has a different journey i i'm i'm really glad you kicked us off talking about that because that is something i i consistently am working with people on as i go into companies and 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 talk and, and help people try to position themselves i work on pipelines helping organization develop talent pipelines. And there are a lot of people who are really great at what they do and they would be such great leaders, but they, there's this feeling that if I am, if I do progress, am I selling out or is, Mm -hmm. is, is it, I am, I, maybe I'm not as focused on the mission. If I actually want this promotion or want to get paid more. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's not an easy thing to deal with either. I, I think something that I have thought of and a previous mentor had told me this as well is the delivery of your team is like as a leader, your delivery is the delivery of your team. And so mm-hmm. I view this in a way of if I want to do good, whatever that is, I can actually make more of an impact if I have a team of people who also believe in the same things and I can guide them through, maybe help them not make the same mistakes I did or uh, to to learn from those. And so I think if you think about how much impact you can have, then it feels less like selling out and more thinking about what impact are you able to have uh, on, on the organization or whatever population you're trying to help. If you're a manager in the federal government, do you have feds protection professional liability insurance? Because if you don't, you need to get it. Having a feds policy means that you will be protected against any professional capacity lawsuit, administrative action, or criminal investigation arising from actions taken in the scope of your employment. 
this insurance is a must-have for federal managers and starts at just $209 a year. Plus, your agency will reimburse you for half of this cost. To learn more, visit www.fedsprotection.com or call 866-955-3337 today. You, you, you know, Sue, you're, you're awesome. Again, I, I go back and forth between calling you Sue and master of the universe. Um, <laughs> I, I was actually having this conversation with a, with a client the other day and telling them that, you know, if you want, you say you want to make an impact, you say you want to make an impact and you know what, that vaccine over there, it costs money. Um, mm-hmm. the, 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 I'll ask be real. If you say you want to save the dolphins, and you're not willing to to garner the resources, the the influence, the, the the teams around you to help do something. Then all you're doing is saying it. you're not actually mm-hmm. doing it. And so I think as a leader, you like you said, you have to be willing to ethically, of course, but you have to be willing to fight for those resources so you can support your team. You can support the important work that you're doing. Yes, definitely. And I think one of the things that I have learned in my career is when you look at for-profit companies as well as nonprofit companies, they actually have a lot in common, meaning both of them need to make money to deliver on their purpose. I think the differences between the two is that they have different they have different purposes. You know, uh, for a nonprofit, we you know we may be looking at trying to cure cancer, for example. Um, for the company that I'm at right now, we want to refresh the world and make a difference. That's what our purpose uh, our purpose statement is. But we want to make sure that the communities that we work in, we want to help the people around them. And also like they're being, they're able to better themselves and their environment. And so I I think both nonprofits and for-profits, they actually are quite similar in that we all need to make money in order to deliver on our purpose. (laughs) You you know, um, I I really appreciate it because again, you started in this, this route and, and you've shared some of the challenges that you've overcome um, as you've progressed in your career. Um, I like to just, this is a very hard question. So I'm going to ask the mm-hmm. question and I'm going to, I'm going to do some filler to give you some time to think. Maybe okay. I'll do a little, a little dance and something like that over here. <laughs> um, again, it's people who are watching YouTube. You'll see this. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the question is, I'd love to know if looking back, what is the toughest, what's the hardest thing that you've done? What's the toughest thing that you've done? Um, it could be a project, a program. It could be it could be anything. Like, what is that the, the hardest thing you've done aside from um, hiking Mount Fuji, which I know you've done, um, and you? I think you said you did it um, walking backwards, so that wasn't too difficult for you. So that that was my filler. So <laughs> I love to hear this. The most difficult thing I have done, um, and I have not told the story recently without crying. So I will. I'm gonna. I'm going to fourth time's a charm. I think this is the fourth time I'm I'm telling this in the last couple of weeks, but actually I know I was like, where's my tissue here? (laughs) (laughs) I should be ready for this. No, but uh, I think one of the most difficult things that I have done is coming to terms with my father's passing Mm -hmm. uh, while I was working. And so this was probably about eight years ago. Um, My dad had terminal cancer and 
he really wasn't doing well. Um, he lived for three years after he had gotten his diagnosis. Um, but as he was, you know, essentially dying in the hospital, I was working um, next door in another um, hospital room. So I was in the hospital and I was with him as well as with my family, but I was also working at the same time. And I think that wasn't the hard part. Actually, while I was doing it, I wasn't really thinking too much. I was just going through the motions. But I think the hardest part of it was actually dealing with all the emotions and the should I have been doing that type of questions and other things like that. And so now in hindsight, you know, eight years later, it's definitely something that I carry around with me, meaning I will never ever um, ask anybody in my team or anyone around me to put aside their personal health, their physical health, mental health, or their families, you know, for work. Because at the end of the day, the the work, the job will be there afterwards, but you may not have that family around. And so I think that was probably the hardest, hardest thing that I've had to tackle in my career. Wow. Um, That I... (sighs) The fact that you share this story is, is, is really, I think it's very timely um, because I know, I mean, you all know, everyone's listening knows that there's the, there, we have an aging demographic in our country and this, what would they would say my generation, right? Or our generation, we are working while our, you know, we're taking care of our parents, taking care of our kids. And this is a very, diff, very difficult time for us, this generation specifically. Um, and I, I guess I hadn't, hadn't really thought, thought through the, what would happen when there's an ailing parent. So like, I mean, it's like you said, when you're doing it, it's, you're just working, but how would you, I mean, again, I know, again, I know everyone would make their own, their own choice in that situation, but given if you would go back, I'm going to ask this question, but you can say it's not fair mm-hmm. at all in <laughs> retrospect, you know, would you've done anything differently? Um, because I think you're uh, go on, please. You first. It's a great question. Part of me wants to say, yes, I would do something differently. Knowing what I know now, yes, I would do things differently. But if you just shot me back in time um, and I didn't know, I again, didn't know better, I probably would have done the same thing. And I know this sounds bad, but I think actually it would have been for the better, meaning I I am hoping that I have positively impacted people around me by going through that terrible incident, meaning um, so I was recently doing some career mapping workshops at work. So these career mapping workshops was just me walking through my career and sharing like personal highlights, but also personal lowlights. And this was one of the things that was like one of the toughest like lows of my career. And I cried. Um, by the way, I am super proud of myself that I didn't cry. I didn't want to call it out. This but... story. Oh, man, I am so proud. <laughs> um, but I did cry in front of a small group audience. And somebody uh, actually said, hey, you know, you don't need to be so hard on yourself because since you went through that experience as a leader, you've probably helped countless people and you don't even know it, you know, because mm-hmm. I said, I will never you know, ask somebody to do something that they're uncomfortable with or push someone to do something that they're uncomfortable with, especially if they have something, you know, difficult going on in their lives. And so part of me, like, I think 
part of me wants to say, yes, I would do things differently. But another part is like, maybe that was a journey that I was meant to be on so that other people around me <laughs> wouldn't make the same mistakes. Yeah, no. I mean, that's that's a very, very w- wonderful answer, obviously. Um, it makes me think of, you know, there's this thing I do you know, exercise for people who are just who, who feel like life has just been down on them and, and mm-hmm. things haven't gone their way in general. And generally what I like to do is um, I like to, them to kind of call out their their top five or top 10, like the worst things that have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, like what is the worst thing, the most uncomfortable situation that you've ever been is just list them down. Mm-hmm. Um, and once they've done that, I, I, I like to then point out, but you're here. Mm-hmm. Which means like, I'm not a flowery guy. I'm not, you know, this is, <laughs> oh, this is Hong Kong Like, No, this is, this is data. This is real. Mm. Those are extremely, you've called out, those are extremely difficult points in your life. Yet you were able to overcome each and every one of them. And you know, imagine what you can do moving forward. Like, and to, to your point, like you said, again, it sucks to say it. I, I won't, I'm not going to say it. That. What I'll say is, like you said, you probably helped so many people, not only you know, how you acted, but to your story, period. Right. Because people mm-hmm. are going to people are going to go through this. And, and, and as they hear this story and your story and how you've how you framed it, it may help them that way as well. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I really do hope so. Um, after I've told the story, I got folks who were, you know, just sending me like lovely messages um, of support and also people sharing their own personal stories of what they had gone through. Some people had actually gone through very similar situations, others not so much, but I think it was very impactful for them to hear a leader say, look, I did this in my personal life and it was terrible and I don't recommend anyone else do this, um, you know, sacrificing essentially themselves like for their career. And so I definitely do think it's one of those things where you can you can manage your personal life yet still excel in your professional life. Mm -hmm. And most people and most companies are going to give you that grace. And so you just need to ask for that support. So I'm going to underscore the word you said uh, most. (laughs) Um, so there are likely companies out there who, um, who won't support you actually literally had a a woman. I was, um, I was, I don't know how I was talking to her Mm -hmm. interview or something, but (laughs) you know, you know, everybody, Alex, obviously, (laughs) I don't know that person. No, I know that person actually, um, she shared with me, um, it was right in the beginning of COVID. So like Mm -hmm. lockdown had just happened. Um, and her child got sick, very sick with COVID. And so she had to stop working. And I think she was gone for maybe a week or so. And the company said, sorry, we need you here. You're fired. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, the hope is that companies wouldn't do that nowadays. Um, but there are bad companies. And so I, I'd love to ask you, like, what are your thoughts on when is it best to, to say, you know what, this isn't the right place for me? I, I know because the reality is we need money. Money mm-hmm. pays for our housing and the food. Like, so when do you think you're able, you should be able to say, you know what, this company's not aligned with my values. I'm going to leave versus saying, I'm going to stay in. I'm going to change this culture. I'm going to change the system. Oh, okay. You, th- you threw a curveball at me there yeah. uh, at the end. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. Huh? That is a hard, that is a good question. Okay. As I was preparing for the first part of the 
the question, not <laughs> not the second part. Gosh, um, wow, I have no idea how to answer that question, but I'll try. I think I think that this is really funny to say because I am a data person, um, but I think you just get a feeling. Um, you get a feeling of where you are personally as a human being like have you felt like you have given your all as much as you can without you know falling over um or something but have i given my all to this cause or to this company or whatever it is and what might i be able to do like further from this like what might i be able to accomplish in 6 months in a year in 3 years or something like that so i definitely think it's a feeling that you get from just some internal self reflection and i think that is what will lead you to to your answer i mean i think i'm also not a great person to ask this question in particular because i talk to my husband about these things and so he is very much like I am going to stick it out somewhere until the day I die. Like he will not actually, <laughs> you know, abandon ship. Uh, he'll like go down with the ship literally. Um, and so I just am saying, you know, if you have a, if you have a bad feeling in your stomach and you feel a pit in your stomach, it's probably time to go. Or if you want to look at it logically, thinking about the impact that you're able to make in the next six months to a year to three years or something like that. If you're saying the impact that I want to make in this organization is going to take me five years, ask yourself, is that time, am I willing to give that time or do I think that I'm going to be able to make an impact elsewhere during that time? So I think I go from an emotional perspective, mm -hmm. um, but I think you can also take it factually as well. Thank you so much for, um, for saying that, Sue. I, I really appreciate this. Federal open season is over, but you can apply for WEPA life insurance year round. WEPA has been insuring the future of federal employees for more than 75 years. WEPA can be used as a supplement or replacement for Fagley and can cost less. Last year, members who switched saved $375 on average. Apply for WEPA group term life insurance and see how much you could save by visiting WAE. PA.org today. I, I want to turn us in a slightly different direction now. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, you are a woman mm -hmm. um, and you are an Asian woman, if I can, I can be so bold to say that. Mm -hmm. um, what does that mean for you being an Asian woman in a very senior level of uh, position within a large significant organization. Does that mean anything to you or is it just the job? It is definitely the former. Um, I definitely feel like I am super lucky, very privileged to be here um, talking to you, talking to other folks, um, working in a you know Fortune 500 company in a leadership position. And so I do feel like I have to pay it forward um, to folks um, not just other Asian Americans, but other folks, uh, people of color, uh, those with disabilities, people from underrepresented groups, because I did not get here by myself. I have had countless mentors, people who are rooting for me, um, people who looked like me and rooted for me, but most more often than not, people who didn't look like me at all, mm -hmm. didn't quite understand my cultural background, and they were still rooting for me. And so I do feel a sense of 
responsibility about, you know, shedding more light on the Asian American community, um, you know, on being a female uh, executive at a company as well. And so I do things that make me feel very uncomfortable, but I do feel like I need to pay it forward. So as an example, I hate public speaking. And so it's hilarious <laughs> that I'm on a podcast with you, <laughs> but we're friends outside of this. So, you know, that's, yeah, that's yeah. okay. But you get a pass. <laughs> yeah, you get a pass. No, but um, I really hate public speaking. I But I do it at a lot of conferences. Um, I do a lot of panels and other things like that because growing up, I never saw anyone who looked like me or remotely looked like me in any of these types of positions. And so I do feel a sense of responsibility that there may be somebody watching and thinking, hey, well, if this person could do it, I could do it as well. And so even if I'm sitting there on a stage, I'm sweating, I'm probably freaking out, you know, my heart rate is up and things like that. <laughs> I feel like I am doing it for somebody else and I'm paying it forward. And that's all worth the, the stress and anxiety that I feel. Well, so you know, I'm going to have a follow up question now. Um, I I was speaking to a VP of a, of a large organization a few weeks ago, mm -hmm. and um, it was a super informal conversation. We had a couple of drinks, just kind of hanging out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was a Latino, mm -hmm. um, a, a, a gay man. Mm -hmm. And. We began talking about what it meant to be in leadership roles um, from our respective communities. And what he said was, it's tiring. He said, because why can't I just do my job? I know because I know I, I want to just do good work, but I also know that I represent so much more than just mm -hmm. me. And mm -hmm. so there is that weight of responsibility. And he was just like, man, it's just I'm tired sometimes. Mm -hmm. I, do you have any reaction to, to that, to that, to his point? I mean, I hear him and I feel him. <laughs> I, I wish that was the case. And what we're all working towards, that is what we're working towards. We're working towards a society where how we look or speak or other things like that, those types of things, they don't impact how somebody views us. but. Unfortunately, in, in today's world, at least in the United States, but probably everywhere across the globe, this is this is the the cards that we were dealt. And so unfortunately, it is just something that we have to deal with. Um, part of me, I can understand why he feels tired. And at times I also feel tired. But part of me, it also gives me a little bit of a, like energy um, mm -hmm. because it's as if I have the support of other people <laughs> behind me. So it's not just me by myself, but it's yeah. a whole group of people uh, behind me. So I, I try to keep that in mind to keep my energy up. Hey, that, I, look, you just you just recharged me in that answer. So I, 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 awesome. I greatly appreciate it. Awesome. Um, I want to throw one more question at you. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, this is I, this is what I've been doing, right? It's my job today. Um, <laughs> throw questions at you. Um, I love to hear about relationship building. I, I say that because many organizations are are experiencing and working through remote working environment for the first time. Um, mm -hmm. You know, COVID pushed everyone into there, um, and we know that about eighty percent of jobs are filled 
via relationships. I like to call the black market. Um, look, you're at Coca-Cola. You're you're not only re- you're remote and international. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you or do you teach your your employees, especially, you know, those what they call them affinity groups? Like, do you teach them how to build relationships with these hiring managers and decision makers? from a distance? Cause again, that makes it even more difficult. Do, do you all do that? And if so, how do you do it? So that's a good question. Um, so I don't think that we do it on purpose, I guess, um, or uh, maybe not in like a very controlled way, but mm-hmm. I personally do meaning prior to me coming to Coca-Cola, my job uh, that I was at for about six years was completely remote. So I was the only one in the United States and the rest of my team was all across the globe. And so you kind of just had to develop relationships uh, virtually, otherwise you couldn't get work done. And so I think uh, at that job, the first like 30 minutes to an hour that I talked to everybody um, was literally just like, a, hey, how are you doing? Where are you from? You know, do you have children? What are your hobbies and mm-hmm. other things like that? I mean, I kind of misunderstood my line manager at the time. Um, I thought that's what he wanted me to do. But um, it actually worked out really well because people were like, wow, you're just reaching out to get to know me and have a virtual coffee. So it actually made, you know, following up with people and asking questions later on, like much easier because earlier I just reached out to them to like get to know them as human beings. And so at that time I thought, oh, wow, that actually worked really well in a virtual environment. And so I highly recommend people to do that now in this kind of a hybrid environment. And so um, this is something that I recommend to my team I think a lot of people who work hybrid know that you have to do it in this way as well. And then if you have the privilege of meeting up with your team or other people, you know, once a year or twice a year or something like that, you can then definitely leverage those types of uh, relationships. So we don't do we don't train people on how to do this, but I do recommend to people if you talk to somebody ask them for names of three to five other people that they think you should speak with. And that'll help you increase your network um, and also increase the diversity of ties that you have. Sue, um, can you uh, connect me with three to five people that I should know? Everyone else, this is me and her. Please um, plug your ears. (laughs) Yes, but let me take that offline. (laughs) (laughs) You know, a, a study came out. I hate to say, it, I'm gonna call it this. A stupid study came out um, <laughs> recently. It said researchers have found that um, that people from lower socioeconomic uh, um, uh, groups um, actually do much better in life when they have friends who are from higher socioeconomic groups. It's like, yeah, no, we we we, we yeah. knew this. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Captain Obvious. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I want to underscore for everyone, like I, I hear it all the time. Because again, this is what I go into organizations and teach their their employees, especially their aspiring leaders and pipeline leaders, how to intentionally build relationships. Mm-hmm. You can't just network build relationships with the people who are around you, like in, mm-hmm. in the same group. You can't just do, you have to. Again, this research told us what we didn't know already. You have to network with the people in the places that you want to go. And mm-hmm. so you have to be, go again. I'm going to be really weird, but I would, you know, not everyone, um, but someone reach out to Zoom like, hey, I heard that you have, you know, you're, you're you and your husband are blah, blah, blah. Like, 
like you mm-hmm. say, like real questions with people versus mm-hmm. only going there to ask work questions or ask for something, period. Like I, mm-hmm. it's always weird when someone contacts you out of the blue, mm-hmm. wanting something versus mm-hmm. just wanting to catch up and talk to you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I always recommend to people, I I do offer to people like, Hey, if you ever want to chat or something like that, like hit me up, I'm happy to chat. Um, most people don't take me up on it, but some folks do. And so I love it when they do, because I mean, I'm a psychologist, the social psychologist by training, and I love learning about people and what makes them tick. And uh, I'm just very interested in culture in general. And so, yeah, I, I do think, um, meeting different people, learning what they're doing, understanding their worldview, that all makes us just more interesting people. And so I highly recommend others to do the same. I mean, what what, what are you going to lose? Like someone could say no. Okay, well, that's all right. Um, or someone can actually give you their time and then you've made a new friend. So highly recommend, you know, talking to people, especially people who are very different from you. I think that's most useful. I need everyone to underscore what she just said, because um, I've said it many times before, but um, no one listens to me. So maybe you'll listen to Sue. So she I says, think they're listening to you right now. Well, well th- th- this is the exception. What's going on? <laughs> she said that she tells people all the time, why don't you reach out to me? And only a subset of the of people do it. Um, look, it's not rocket science to build relationships with people, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is a little bit extra. I mean, mm-hmm. just the fact of someone, if, if if she's telling you all right now, she says, hey, reach out to me. And only a small portion does it. That's one little thing they did to elevate themselves over so many people who never even took the time to reach out. Like, it's mm-hmm. just doing those small things contents, consistently and intentionally that helps you develop your relationships and your networks. And then you can do so much more. With the, with the with those people working around you, I just want had to call that out. Yeah, I love it. So, Sue, I know it's starting to wrap up, and I think you had to go talk to the king of uh, Saudi Arabia, <laughs> or you had to jump off and do some uh, really important. So, I want to open the floor to you and say, is there any uh, last thoughts, ideas, advice, anything you like to share with our audience as we begin to to wrap up? Yeah, I mean, there's there's lots, but, uh, you know, given everything that has happened in the last two and a half years, I can't believe the pandemic has it's been two and a half years. But uh, I mean, given everything that has happened, um, I'm sure that there are folks who are trying to go back to work. Um, There are probably people who are taking care of children or sick family members or other things like that. And so I I think one of the things that I just want to tell people is that, you know, these things that are happening, they are not going to be here forever. And so I like what you have, Alex, there where it says stay strong. Um, I'm stealing something that my mentor has always uh, one of my mentors has said to me before. And it's just to to keep going. Um, you know, these difficult things will pass. And if you just keep going, then you'll be able to get through them. So I think I'd just like to leave people with that. Her mentor got that from me, everyone. <laughs> At the end of every session, I say, stay yes. strong, stay positive, stay moving. See, keep going. Same, same mm-hmm. thing. Semantics. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Hey, look, Sue, thank you so much for spending time with us today. We, I really appreciated everything you had to share with us. I know our audience did as well. And our, to the audience, you know what I'm about to say. Don't just look back, reach back. If you found anything of value from today's talk, something that hit your heart and is going to 
help you see the world and interact with the world differently, don't keep it to yourself. Don't say that person should have been there. Reach back, bring them to the table or bring this information to them to make sure they hear it so they, they can better them, their lives, their organization and for their families. As always, I like to say, stay strong, stay positive and definitely stay moving. See ya. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Executive Appeal with Alex Trumbull. I invite you to follow The Executive Appeal wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me, your host, Alex Trimble, across all socials or via email for exclusive webinars, courses, and speaking engagements on continued topics of executive leadership. So until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving.